Okay, so we're, um, we're closing up the Hold Nothing Back um, series this week. And, and my favourite things to do are to open a series or to close a series. But the problem with closing a series is you get a message and then you sit for six weeks just freaking out that somebody else is going to bring your, your, your um, verse up and preach your message. And, and there was a couple of times, i tell you what, I was nervous over the last few weeks. But um, just before we go, where, where's he gone? Good Uncle... Not... What, fun Uncle Joel? Didn't Fun Uncle Joel just, just about destroy his reputation when he, he cancelled school holidays in? <laughs> you can just kind of feel it, you know? There's two things that happened. One was when you mentioned next week's beach thing, I heard little voices say, Mum, can we go? Mum, can we go? And so uh, that's exciting, isn't it? The kids are doing it. So last time I spoke, we, uh, we looked at the, the life of the Apostle Paul, and I want to take one verse that we shared in that um, sermon and use that as a launching pad to go forward. And so if we can throw the, the, the slides up. Here we go. So the Lord says to Ananias when he was about to go and pray for Saul, you remember the story, and he said, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings. And when, um, when Paul later stands before King Agrippa, he says, I've not been disobedient to the heavenly vision that you gave me. The thing that you gave me to do, I've done it with all, all that I can. And uh, this is kind of where we want to start off today. And I'm going to just throw something out to you. We were praying in the prayer meeting beforehand and there was a couple of things were said and there was some, some prayer and some encouragement. But one of them really flowed into um, something that uh, I want to talk about today. So if we can go to the next slide, and I just want to come off this a bit. God has something for you to do. Just like Paul. Paul said, he's, he's going to sh- we're going to see a scripture in a minute. In fact, we might just throw that up. God's got something for you to do. And this is what Paul said, probably out of his experience. He said, For we are all his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. So what that verse is saying is that before you were born, God thought about you. And see, the, inc- the incredible thing about God, when he thinks about you, he doesn't think just about what you're going to be like, like what you're going to look like, what your face is going to be like, what your sense of humour is going to be like. In a moment when it says God thought about you, he thought about your whole life. He saw your whole life. The Bible says that in foreknowledge, he predestined us to become uh, his children. He, he knows. Like he thought about you before the beginning of the world. You. Like seriously, everybody. And he saw everything, everything that was going to happen to you. He knew beforehand. So when he prepared something for you, the Bible says he, he knits us together. Psalm 139, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. God knits us together in our mother's womb. Like he fashions us, all the, the internal workings, our personality. 
and and in seeing us, knowing what we're going to go through in all our life, God has built into us receptors. And if you will hear it, they're things that can take the stuff that we go through and use it for his glory. See, a lot of us, a lot of us go, God, I can never do anything for you because of all the stuff I've done and all the stuff I've been through. And God says, hang on. I knew what you were going to do and I knew what you're going to go through and I fashioned you to take all of that experience, good and bad, and use it for my glory. So the next time you're tempted to think, God, I can't do something for you because of the stuff that I've done and the stuff that I've been through and my life's not been great. And God says, hang on, hang on. I knew. And I made you with that in mind. And I, and I haven't got time to talk about why God does it that way. It's a, it's a long theological discussion that some of you might find interesting, but most of you would find boring. But safe to say this. God saw you. And he fashioned a purpose for you that fits exactly with what you've been through. And so we get that expression, God takes our scars and makes them his stars. He takes what we've gone through, the depths. You know, some, Lisa was talking today about uh, just something in the meeting, you know. The amazing thing about Job is he embraced God in the midst of his troubles. And he found God was everything he needed. And, uh, you know, Paul says something really strange in Philippians, and, and I think it's worth listening to. He says in Philippians 3.10, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know the power of your resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of your sufferings. And we go, what? Let me explain what that means. Paul says, Jesus, I want to know you in the midst of my suffering. I want to have fellowship with you, like you're reading out today from that book. I want to have fellowship with you in the midst of my suffering because there's something in that stuff that I'm going to go through that you're going to take and use for your glory in my life. So I'm not going to reject it. I'm not going to fight and kick and scratch and say, God, would you use... Love that song. Would you use the old wine skin because the new wine skin's too scary? No. God says, I'm just going to take it and make something incredible. Amen? So God's got something for us to do. He prepared it beforehand that we might walk in it. Kind of all kinds of different things. You know, some of us preach, some of us sing, some of us pray. I heard this great story last night. We were doing Street Safe. Jeff Reed was telling us that. Uh, there was a lady in his dad's church that they didn't really know much about. But then she died. And all hell broke loose in the church. And his father realised that she was the prayer warrior of the church. And when she was taken away, it was like nobody was praying anymore. See, there's, there's all kinds of things that we do and we can do. And, and be a part of. And God says, I've got something fashioned just for you that I made you for. I made you, I took into consideration everything you were going to walk through. 
And I'm actually going to use most of that stuff for my glory in your life. If you'll say yes. If you'll say, make me a vessel. If you'll say, Lord, come and dig up the ground, turn it into new wine. Amen? Okay, so number one. God has something for us to do. The second thing is everything works better when we do our part. And I want to just go straight into this scripture because it's one of my favourites in the Bible. It says in Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom, so through the connection to Jesus, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, and here's the the kicker, causes, causes. So everything that Paul says there hits this word causes, and Paul's saying all of that stuff starts something in your life that's unstoppable, that's irresistible. Causes, what does it cause? It causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I had a vision of this once, and it's kind of kind of sound really weird. But I I was I was praying, I was in a meeting somewhere, and I was praying, and I saw this machine. And I can't describe the machine other than it was a series of have you ever seen like scoops that pick stuff up? And this whole machine was just like picking itself up. Somehow there was this, all these mechanical parts that were going around in a wheel and, and as each part turned and did its part, it lifted the whole body up and the, and the thing was going up and up and up and up. And that's what this verse is saying, is that when we are connected to Jesus, you know, and let's, let's face it, if, if you take nothing away today, take this away. You cannot hold nothing back unless you're connected to Jesus. It's impossible. It's impossible. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. That's the way it's going to work. But from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies. The reason I've used the New American Standard Version is because I really like it in this particular case. But I love what this says. It says that there's a supply that comes from the joints. Now, if you think in terms of a body, what are the joints of the body? Some call, call a few out. Elbow's a joint. What else? Knee. Who's ever done a ro- rotator cuff? If you've ever played football, the shoulder is a really important joint. Clavicle. <laughs> That's just a bone, but that does okay. But, but look what it says. By that which every joint... so. The thing that every relationship supplies according to the proper working of the individual parts in that relationship. So it's about being connected to Jesus, but it's also about being connected to one another. When we are connected to one another and we are functioning in the thing God's called us to. Now let's just stop and talk about that for a little bit. What is the thing God's called? Who could say without a shadow of a doubt, put up their hand. I'm not going to ask you to do it today, but I want you to think about this. Who could say without a shadow of a doubt, I know the thing God has called me to, the primary thing. So I could stand before King Agrippa and say, Oh, King Agrippa, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. 
Now, if you say, I don't know what the answer to that is, you should find that out. So you can do it. Because when you do it, the Bible says that the whole body fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part because, you know, you can't know the proper working unless you know what it is you're supposed to be working at. Causes the body to grow. Now you might say, yeah, but this, my role, my, my spiritual gift, my function, that's kind of a personal thing and, and um, you know, it's really, that's my stuff and it's really got nothing to do with you. Well, it kind of has. Because that verse says that the body can't grow if it doesn't work. And therefore, me, being a part of the body, I can't grow if you don't do your bit. And you can't, see, I'm dependent on you. And you're dependent on me and we're dependent on one another to do the stuff. And Jesus kind of says, I'm not going to do it any other way. And when John Dixon, who's seen the, the, the John Dixon thing? When he says that, uh, what's the quote? Um, you will meet the, the, the best and the worst of the church or something? Something like that? Yeah, it's better and worse than you ever imagined. <laughs> the church. It's better and worse than you ever imagined. The reason is that we're not building ourselves up in love. And Paul says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to find out what God's called you to do. And it's not hard. It's the thing that, it's the thing that gets your juices going. That's probably what God's called you to. You know, it's, if it doesn't get your juices going, God probably, most of the time, hasn't called you to it. But if there's something that, when I do that, when I encourage people, I just feel like, I just feel like I've clicked into something. You know, when I'm up there worshipping, like this morning, I feel like I've just clicked into something that's not just about singing, because I've done singing, but it's when I'm up there worshipping and leading people in worship, something clicks and I feel like I'm doing the thing that causes the building up the body in love. When I'm, when I'm speaking, when I'm communicating, that's what I feel like. And, and for each of you, it will be something different. And the reason it's like that is because we're not all the same. You know, Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12 says that we are all parts of the body and individually members of it. The eye can't say to the ear, I've got need, no need of you and all that sort of stuff. So God has given us something to do and it works better the whole thing works better when we all play our part. Okay, so that's the end of the introduction, okay? So now we're going to go to the verse that I really want to speak to. So let's throw that one up. Therefore, my favourite phrase, when you see a therefore, find out what it's there for. Okay? Hebrews chapter 12 starts off with this word, therefore. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, to understand that, you've got to jump back one chapter. And you know, you know the chapter. It's the chapter 11. It's the heroes of faith. We kind of preached upon it. I, look, I don't know. I love Jester's sermon from that series, but I didn't know where you got that person from. What was her name? Jochebed. And it's like, who? <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. But, but it gets to the end of that and it says all of these people, Abraham, 
Moses. Who else? Who were some of the others in there? David. Who else? Who else is in? Gideon, Barak, Samson. Just go right to the end, Lou, and read what it says. But all of these... These are all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. None of them received what had been promised. Because apart from us, they were not going to get it. So they were all waiting. The Bible says they were like on tiptoes. talks about the prophets. They were on tiptoes looking ahead to what was going to come when the church was born. They couldn't wait for it to get here because the Bible says that apart from us, they were not going to inherit anything. And so they're waiting for us to come. And it's like, and and the imagery, the analogy that Paul's using here is like the, the marathon. Who's ever seen a marathon? Anybody ever actually literally been in the stadium when a marathon's on? I've never been there. I, I, uh, I would have loved to have gone down to the Sydney Olympics when it was on, but it wasn't possible. Well, I went and watched Australia play Nigeria but in soccer, but that's not the same. And, and in the marathon, what happens is they run all through the, the town. What is it, 42 kilometres, 26 miles? And then the last part of the marathon is like one or two laps of the stadium. You know, so they've got big, big... TV screens, they never used to have those in 1956 in Melbourne, but now they've got big TV screens and they can watch the progress of the race and they can see, and there's a moment that comes when they enter the stadium and they, they, they burst into the, the, the track and the crowd goes nuts. They're all on their feet because this is the end of 26 miles. This is the end of 42 kilometres. We are going to witness the end. And I'm telling you, there's a great cloud of witnesses watching us today because they've been waiting for the end. And we're entering the stadium and they're on their feet and they're going, come on, come on, run your race. So, so the writer to Hebrews says, therefore, since there's so many people watching us running our race, let us throw off everything that hinders us. And the sin that so easily entangles us. I want to stop and talk about this for just a minute. Some of us get really kind of serious about sin. And it's, not, it's probably something we should. But I love what he says here. Let's just, just throw it off. It's not important. Just kind of throw it away. You want to win the, win the race? You will not win the race without hanging off your life. So just throw it off. And it's like, yeah, but, but God's serious about sin. Really? What did the angels say to the shepherds? Do you remember? When they were singing and doing all this stuff, they said, I bring you good, uh, glad tidings of great joy. There is a saviour born today. And here's what that means. God, because Jesus came, is no longer counting our sin against us. We think it's a big deal. God says, I dealt with it in Jesus. Just throw it off. Just throw it off. There's hindrances. You know, one of the things about embracing Jesus in the midst of our sufferings is that he has the capacity to show us what that sufferings are about and give us the ability to just throw it off. And, and so all we're left with 
is a residue of experience that enables us to put our hand down and take the hand of somebody else and lift them up out of the same suffering. (laughs) When you take someone's hand, make sure that they are not bigger than you. Thanks, David. That was excellent. So the writer says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and do what? Next verse. No, next part. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God has given each one of us something to do. And God's saying this to us today. I've given you a a job to do. And when you do it, when you all do it, when you're connected to the head and you're connected to one another and you're functioning in the thing that I've given you to do, It's going to be wonderful. So hold nothing back. Hold nothing back. What he's saying to those runners, you know, the coaches and that kind of stuff, get in their heads. You know, you've heard the term, leave nothing on the field. Who's who's ever heard that term? Anybody played sport? Had the coach tell you, don't leave anything on the field. This is the grand final. Today, there's two teams that I have no interest in. One of them I dislike intensely. So I probably won't even watch the game. I, the only reason I watched the game is to see if they all got injured and, and it was horrible for them. But that's, you know, what can I say? I'm, I'm a Parramatta supporter and I'm feeling particularly bad about myself right now. The wooden spoon is a trophy. Come on. But the coach says, don't leave anything on the field. When the final whistle goes, when that line is broken, when you get to the finish line, I want you to have held nothing back and I want you to give it everything you've got because when the race is done, it's done. There's no running again. So let's sum up. I've got nine minutes. God has given us something to do. And to do it, he wants us to be connected to Jesus. Hold nothing back. In your connection with Jesus, don't hold anything back. If you've got voices in your head saying, he doesn't like me because of what I've done, that is rubbish. It's rubbish. It's not even a good lie. I, You know, it's, it's not even a credible lie because... We just looked at the verses today that said God's not counting our sin against us anymore. If we place ourselves in Christ, we're a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, how many things? No, come on, that was pathetic. How many things? What about this side? How many things? (laughs) That was both wonderful and sad at the same time. That reminded of me, we're not going to live in silence. All things have become new. So therefore we can run our race connected to Jesus. He's not pushing us away. He's drawing us to himself. If we will embrace him, if we will embrace him, like we heard today in that song, like... Lisa was sharing today in the prayer meeting. And we're going to sing that song at the end because I think that's just a wonderful song. The new wine one. 
Yeah, good. You guys want to come? I know. I'm, you're like twins. I get you confused. What can I say? If you guys can start playing that just softly. Jesus wants to just embrace us like Paul says, I want to know you. I want to know the power of your resurrection in my life. I want to know your fellowship in my sufferings so that I can overcome them and turn them into trophies. Yeah? Trophies. Scars become stars. You know what the Bible says about us? It says God talking about us. It says he wants to hold us up as an example for all eternity to the powers and principalities. That's what it says in Ephesians. One day God's going to call time on all of this stuff and there's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb and we're going to get to see Jesus. And I tell you, it's going to be so amazing. It's going to take your breath away and you will never have another thought apart from Him for the rest of eternity. And I don't understand it. I don't understand how that can be. I just know it's going to be. And the thing blows my mind. But when it happens, God's going to take the bride of Jesus, the new Jerusalem, the church of the living God, and he's going to put it on his mantelpiece like a trophy. And he's going to say to the powers and principalities, check it out. Check it out. Check what I did. You thought you were being so smart, so clever, bringing all that rubbish into that person's life and bringing them down and making them a slave. You thought you were so clever. Look what I did with it. I took that scar, I turned it into a star. Amazing. Connected to Jesus. Hold nothing back. God's given us something to do and it works better when we're connected to Jesus, but it also works better when we're connected to one another. So hold nothing back. Don't hold anything back from your brother and sister. When you find out what it is God's called you to do, just do it with all your might to everyone you can. Jesus gathered the disciples in John 13. After the supper, it says he took a towel and he put it round himself. He took off his outer garment and he washed their feet. And it's kind of a weird Bible passage and there's people that have gone away doing all kinds of feet washing ceremonies. But the interesting thing is, we never see that again in the New Testament. So it wasn't a practice, it was a principle. It wasn't something God wants us to do, it was a metaphor. And this is what it is. That when it comes to the operation of our spiritual gift, we take off our outer garment, we take off any claim to significance, and we take the form of a servant, we put the towel around our waist, and we wash one another's feet with our gift. That's what it means. So what do you do? I pray. Well, wash somebody's feet with your prayer. What do you do? I I bring words of encouragement. For goodness sake, wash somebody's feet with those words. What do you do? Well, I sing. Oh, just sing. Just sing and wash their feet. 
like the woman with the tears, to whom much is given, much is required. There's a great response. And when we do it, the Bible says that we will build ourselves up in love. There's uh, one of my favourite communicators is Andy Stanley. He's just released a book called Irresistible. And the, the tenet of the book, his thesis is that in the New Testament, the church was irresistible. And we know that because it went from 120 people in the upper room to shaking the entire Roman Empire in the space of under 100 years. It went from a a pathetic little Jewish sect to being an incredible force that reverberates in the earth today. And he says, God says, I want to make my church irresistible again. Because Newcastle needs an irresistible church with an irresistible Jesus and an irresistible message of grace. Hold nothing back. Hold nothing back. Can we stand together?